Well, quickly, what's something we can talk about for like two minutes as a cold open? Box fans. Right. <laughs> right. Welcome to Box Fan Hour at the Good Apples. <laughs> I mean, we, we were talking about the chaotic weather caused by uh, human human caused climate change. That's, de- uh, that's depressing. Box so, fans. Uh, the solution. So uh, how do you deal with it? Box fans. Um, say you have a remote, (laughs) yeah, I'm assuming this is a story about Jackal's friend who, uh, (laughs) works in an unconditioned room in an area of the country that was experiencing extreme heat, (laughs) um, hundred plus temperatures for weeks on end. How does one maintain their sanity? We were discussing some available technologies. For instance, the box fan. Uh, this episode is brought to you by <laughs> box fan. Amazon.com. <laughs> Buy some fucking box fans. No specific brand of box fans. Just the concept <laughs> just, yeah. of box fans. Um, the general, the general, yeah. the general but, concept yes. of the box fan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when when one is working remotely and primarily compensated in Amazon.com gift cards, one's options for uh, a non-air-conditioned room are the quote-unquote personal air conditioner that retails for i think when i got mine was about 20 bucks uh which you fill with ice water and then it has a little cpu fan that blows the air over ice water and cools you down for about 20 minutes before all the fucking ice melts (laughs) Uh, and then you just have the slightly cooled air of the like lukewarm water uh for like 15 more minutes after that and then it's just warm uh so take that 20 dollars and put it towards a box fan instead i um this this podcast we haven't been doing it that long and it's already brain damaging me brain damaging me a little bit because you started that sentence when you work at a job like blah, blah, when you work at a, a, a job that, you know, pays you primarily to Amazon gift cards and it sounded like one of our intro bits. I just started right. you were ripping out a, an intro. <laughs> Dick Wolf has ruined your brain. Dick Wolf in this fucking podcast. I've already started to fuck my brain up. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Also, if yeah. you if, if it's hot where you are, uh, box get fan. two box fans. I this is genuine advice. I was in a fucking hot dorm room during college. It was hot as fuck. It was nice when it was winter, but when it was summer, holy shit, it was nigh unbearable. I wanted to stay in whatever air conditioned environment I could be in because the building I was in did not have air conditioning. But you got two fucking box fans, man. That's a dream. It's better than nothing. It feels it feels pretty good. It, it it feels pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. If you you get two box fans, you put it in your room, you close yeah, the it's... door, so you reduce the circulation. Oh, I thought because the other method is to increase circulation. So that I guess there's two. Like, so from from what I've, I'm led to believe is like you have you want to have one pushing hot air out, and then another like bringing cool air. Mm. or like pushing cool that's why we had the windows open yeah yeah so that's a key component is yes you do have to have the windows open in order for this to work counterintuitive Mm -hmm. but uh yeah there's there's i mean anybody who's like yeah the unconditioned dorm room is like most of the dorm rooms in this country so i think like uh yeah i've been there been there lived this life That being said, this is kind of a funny conversation to be having because uh, if my calculations are correct, this episode should be coming out in 
uh late november so (laughs) right no and what's what's even funnier is it's like not particularly hot right now like it's like yeah and that's pretty like advice (laughs) yeah yeah just uh yeah par for the course like early autumn like late september weather uh and then uh but yeah then we were just like yeah weather seems kind of fucked up in general though yeah i know somebody who lives in a place where it's going 100 plus for a long time then it's like (laughs) how do you beat the heat (laughs) Um, we can discuss how we can survive through the permafrost when we hit that we're not there yet we're not there yet we're not even fully over with with uh, the warm weather yet it's still broadly if you know the terrible weather wasn't a constant when it's not too bad, it's a pretty okay outside. At least I kind of find it to be. Well, oh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been generally pleasant outdoors for like the past couple weeks. It's so, been really uh, nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not to. I, <laughs> I. Yeah. I think we just needed to talk. Like. I mean. Yeah. I think we just did like two hours on on. Uh. Well, I mean, we're gonna do more on on other various forms of abuse, but like, yeah two plus hours on specifically religious child sexual abuse so yeah i think we needed to decompress and talk about the weather for a second talk about box fans <laughs> well you know what has never done anybody wrong a box fan always casey helpful novak casey novak that's right <laughs> we're, we're beginning this episode so in the universe of law and order svu diane neal's offenses are considered not at all possible In SVU Season 5, the dedicated detectives who investigated her vicious felonies completely forgot about them and made her their boss. These are their stories. Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Good Apples, a podcast about Law & Order SVU, the real-life events that inspired the show, and the worldview of the man himself, Dick Wolf. I'm Josiah. I'm Kamira. I'm Josh. And I'm Jackal. And that's us. That's the show, folks. Uh, We decided with, uh, because as we've been saying, kind of behind the curtains here, we record usually two episodes back-to-back, once a month. Uh, we are, we needed to decompress because we had a really heavy episode last episode. If you listen, we talked about child sex abuse in the church and all that. Now we're talking about SVU. So there's going to be sex abuse regardless. Like that's just the nature of the show. You can't get around that with our chosen subject matter right now. We we just decided, look, like we've, we've done pretty much all these episodes, even though we've talked some positive about the show, we've mostly been really critical of the show. And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun to watch some good episodes of SVU? So we did. And we used this guiding thing. Our our guiding thing here is the way uh, Diane Neal shows up as two separate characters in the series. That's our little binding thing. So we're going to talk about the fact that Diane Neal, the the actress for Casey Novak, um, showed up in season three as a... uh, I don't think an ofi- officially a rapist, a complicit in a rape, though, a bad person. Yeah, not good. And then two years later, they just reuse that actress for Casey Novak, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of jarring uh, if you watch the show like quickly, because you'll be like, yeah. wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, because like I was I was familiar with Casey Novak as a character before I saw this particular early episode. So. 
yeah, I was already like pretty familiar with the show and it was kind of a shock. Like, wait a second. <laughs> they let her be a DA after she helped her friend rape a guy. So this is, this is into, here's our, our fan theory now. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I have, I, I've come up with two hypotheses as to how we can make this make sense canonically. Like, <laughs> yes, the real answer is it's a fucking TV show. They liked working with her. So they gave her a full-time job. Like right. that's all that happened. Like, yes, it's, yeah, whatever. they were writing season um, five and they were like, Hey, you remember Diane Neal? She was really good. Let's bring Yeah. Her. Who could we, Oh, like, she, blah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so my initial thought is, uh, if anyone is familiar with, uh, the David Cronenberg film, a history of violence, uh, spoiler for 2007, David Cronenberg thriller, a history yeah, of ahead, violence. Skip ahead like a minute. If you yeah. want to save that, save yourself from that. Um, but the big reveal being that, Oh, he's not, he's not the, the every man patriarch everyone thought he was he's actually an east coast mobster that went and did a bunch of drugs in the desert and like deleted his personality and built a new one uh and <laughs> the whole plot of the film is like his brother trying to get back in touch with him um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so so i i my my first instinct is like Okay, we have Diane Neal's character in the season three episode who is a criminal uh, breaking out of jail and through an act of penance, like <laughs> erasing her former self and becoming a good person who punishes sex offenders that's instead right. of being one. So that's that's probably the most plausible. Uh, the the other one that I think has just as much validity is that she is. Uh, different emanations of different aspects of some elder God of which we don't know the true nature. And that uh, girl, that, that God is named the girl boss. Yes. Cause they, <laughs> that's kind of the theme here. Uh, these are two, <laughs> both of these episodes kind of are playing with um, tough women who get the job done. You know what I mean? That's kind of the theme Jesus. for both of them. Um <laughs> You know, starting out with the season three episode, the darker side of that kind of personality type. And then season five, Casey Novak's kind of trying to do that. She comes in and she tries to to kick all the detectives asses and like make them follow the book and stuff. And she's a, you know, cool boss lady, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to be going through these uh, these two episodes here. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, we don't have any source material here because, you know, we're not we're not talking about as despite the fact that the show is about the real life events that inspired the show. And I'm sure we'll talk about stuff that pops in mind. But, yeah, th at the end of the day, this is about just two episodes of the show that are pretty good. Um, so I, I think we might as well uh, start off with. I think the first one is in season three, episode 10. Yes, we are starting off with season three, episode 10. Um, which is, uh, what is it is called ridicule? Yes. Which deals with, uh, a subject that I think felt edgier at the time than it does now. Uh, I think it was more on people's mind at the time. I mean, not that the stigma doesn't exist, but I will say like th this, this one felt really dated also like the no way. Uh, a, um, a woman could could rape a man. Is that possible? Um, just it felt kind of dated to me. Now I, I think if that subject were getting approached in a in a modern episode, I don't know if it would uh, quite have that feel. I don't know. Do you guys agree? 
Yeah, it, it feels like because I know that they this is something that, uh, you know, a subject matter that SVU comes back to, not uh, you know, super frequently, but they do approach it often enough that there are some exam- other examples. Uh, they feel a lot more even like the other dated ones feel less dated than this episode. I think that when the this episode came out, which when did it come out? When when was season three? Uh, this would come out early 2000s. Um, I can find the exact. It would have been 2001. 2001. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this would have felt very uh, for most households at the time because this is the modern internet as we know it doesn't exist yet. So people's access to a lot of information is still based primarily on uh, TV. Yeah. What's on TV. So this would have felt, you know, edgier and more like, Oh wait, that can happen. What? Mm -hmm. Versus now where, you know, that still is uh, the shaming of, you know, male, male uh, sexual uh, assault victims. Are it still is definitely very well. A thing. It's very much like, a thing. Yeah, very much a thing. Um, do not want to say that that's that is even, uh, you know, if that ha- that has been downplayed since then, it still very much is a, is the case that um, male rape victims are still uh, shamed for it. But I think that more people now are aware that that is something that happens versus when this episode came out, it would have felt kind of novelty for your average. Uh, TV watcher. Yeah, and because nowadays I feel like the way Stabler handles this subject, and we can start walking through the episode here in a second, but it nowadays I think it wouldn't read, it would read just kind of like insanely cruel, which is how I read it now. I'm just like, really, dude? You work in the sex crimes unit and you can't believe that a man can get raped by a woman? Especially if it was three women overpowering him. That was that's what drove me yeah. nuts too, because he kept being like, Oh, didn't he fight him off? It's just a woman fighting him. Yeah. Like, even if that was true, like, oh, women are so much weaker or whatever. Like, I think Chimera made the comment while we were watching where she was like, if it was like three ten year olds in a fight against me, I would lose. It's about <laughs> I got overpowered, yeah. man. Like Well, they uh they even have that uh when they kind of reenact like one of the crimes, like how easy it is to just subdue someone when you have the element of surprise, like when you don't expect mm-hmm. violence from, and you know, the combination of like, you know, the, uh, cause again, yeah, we have a great scene with Wong in the episode, like talking about like the guy's family history, uh, mm-hmm. and like, okay, so he was raised in this context. He's going to feel this way about women. He's going to act this way towards women. So he's uniquely disempowered from advocating for himself in this, in this situation. And then they also have the element of surprise. There's three of, you know, so it, it all adds up to like, Completely yeah, makes I don't sense. know. And I, I don't know. Yeah, so just like, like, yeah. like overall there's like, there's this great acknowledgement in the episode that like, everyone is a potential victim. Like, I mean, you have that moment of Elliot realizing he's just as vulnerable as like every, you know, he, he gets to like fancy himself, the big strong protector that nobody can ever get to, but it's like, he's just as vulnerable as anybody. Mm -hmm. But going back to the beginning here and we'll get deeper into the subject as we go. The episode starts off with, um, a uh, guy, uh, a guy finding coming home to find that his uh, ex-wife is been hung from the ceiling and she's she's dead. Um, it looks pretty clearly like autoerotic asphyxiation gone wrong. Um, a case I am certain if you worked in SVU you would see a lot. <laughs> it uh, 
at least especially i feel like that was a thing that was getting talked about a lot in the 2000s i don't feel like that's a thing that yeah. gets talked about as much anymore but that was like oh a thing. yeah i mean yeah. like well uh right just another example from pop culture like it's a major plot point in the film world's greatest dad. Like there were, mm-hmm. I mean, David Carradine was like, I was about you know, to bring up David Carradine. Yeah. Yep. So that was, that was a big news story at the time, kind of a shocking celebrity death. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it was, it was definitely something that was in the zeitgeist. And I mean, there's always perennial like moral panics over the sexuality of young people. And I think like, I mean, there's, there's always a new one. We're always, we're always concerned that there is some like abhor, you know, deviant violent sexuality that's becoming popular amongst the youth you know mm-hmm. um and this was this was like just the flavor we had in the early 2000s um but of course like they they have to treat it as a murder as a homicide potential homicide unless it was proven otherwise and they weren't able to prove it otherwise initially so svu gets involved in this seeming accident pretty easily um, and then consistently uncover that there's a lot more going on with the story than it seems. Um, well, they first go to the husband as their first suspect for for this girl's death. And he was like, oh, no, we separated like shortly after getting married. Like they got married and then they separated um, within months and he was being really cagey about why they separated or what their relationship was like but he was like yeah no yeah it wasn't me and um the it was also uh, i think it's he he had um the husband had filed for divorce Mm -hmm. a couple Mm -hmm. months before she died so that's why if it wasn't a suicide then the obvious uh direction for uh, the detectives was well okay if if it's not suicide it's probably the husband oh and they're getting a divorce okay yeah that's motive yeah that's motive um which by the way uh, so again i don't want to go to bat for cops here or even necessarily like but... detectives or whatever but i will say there's something really funny in svu consistently which is when a sex-based crime takes place and then they're interviewing people related to them and they're like asking questions about their sex life because of course they are uh, the people reacting like, "What? How dare you insinuate I was cheating on my wife?" It's like, buddy, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you mean? Like they have to ask these questions. Like anyone, regardless if you're police abol, like if you're police abolitionist, too, like the kind of person that would be trying to solve a murder or something like that would have to ask yeah. these questions, man. Right. I mean, I, yeah. If we if we personal digs at you, <laughs> you know, I I think like so. I think we could abolish the police but i think there is an idea of the detective that i think like i mean we have the private detective like people mm-hmm. who are good at finding information about other people there's always going to be a social use for that mm-hmm. like um tracking down missing or endangered people i don't because like yeah even if we get our dream economic system and everything's everyone you know gets everything they need like i mean then we're just gonna have we're dealing we're, there's still social problems there's still yeah <laughs> and know, there's like, still are probably going to be conspiracies of some sort people doing yeah. things behind each other's back it's it's not i i don't think it's i don't think the detective is necessarily yeah, no. a bad thing um, right right and no it's i would like, also say that if you go back to to like old pre pre police periods in human history there's all there's always been um figures that are analogous to like the detective their job is to figure out okay what happened why did it happen 
who's responsible for whatever cultural and political context that you're always going to need those guys. And those guys, if it's a sex-based crime, are going to have to ask you sexual questions. Yep. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> those are not personal digs at you, buddy. <laughs> They're trying to figure out why somebody died in a sexual way. Yeah. Uh, well, they... dead, and it's related to sex. They got to ask, and you are a suspect. They got to ask these questions. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And it is kind of funny, like that exact situation, like nine times out of 10 IRL. Yes. There are plenty of people who will kill someone for 50 K. Yeah. Absolutely. A shocking yeah, amount so of men who would do that. will kill someone for $50,000. The detectives discover that the victim was visited on the day she died by her friends, Pam Adler, a defense attorney and Amelia Chase, a stockbroker, who is played by Diane Neal. Our girl boss. Girl boss alert. <laughs> girl boss alert. <laughs> it's like an entire. It's an entire girl boss posse. Like we get like the uh, the Charlie's Angels of like assertive professional women. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. In a weird way, this episode do- though does a good job of like. Um, showing a certain type of like this isn't a dig at feminism but of a certain type of corporatized feminism that existed and got more prominent after this actually like really game of age in the 2010s that covers for powerful people that do bad things you know um there's a there's a, a good video essay about like reflecting on 2010s feminism. I'll put in the show notes. That way, uh, you can oh, get yeah, these ideas like, without um, uh, a straight male selling you all why <laughs> feminism in the 2010s was <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like shoot me down, but I've been trying to like just the way I've conceptualized the, the, the most useful term is like it's yeah white corporate feminism. Yeah, it's probably yeah. the most accurate academic term. Um, but uh, yeah. It's like non-intersectional feminism. Right. But it's it's like, but yeah, it's like women are never wrong and are always good feminism. And it's, it's, (laughs) you know, like it's instead of questioning power itself or anything, it's like, well, if you just get the women in the power, it's cool. Um, Yeah. The problem is that women aren't allowed to abuse as much as men are. Yeah, that must be it. And yeah, I mean, it gets into some like weird kind of essentialist mentalities about like women that... Um, I think this episode deals with kind of nicely because that's exactly where this goes is like, uh, you know, is, is there like, well, this can't possibly have taken place. We'll, we'll get, yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. This can't have taken place because a woman comes. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, Sabler and Benson, they, they go and uh, talk to Pam Adler and. Oh, she tells them that they were supposed to have a lunch date that day, but that uh, the victim, Sydney, canceled the lunch date because she was depressed about her recent divorce. So she said she wanted alone time, and she canceled hanging out with her friends. And then the police went to question Amelia Chase, and she said that um, Sydney had a history of uh, risky sexual Hello. behavior and um, that she regularly would choke herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of made it sound like she wasn't shocked by what happened. Yeah. It also, there's also the, the quick thing that the, the husband in here um, met Sydney supposedly in a Caribbean vacation 
Um, and you know, he's like this struggling artist that, uh, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, Amelia Chase implies, uh, was like using her for her money and stuff. So they're trying to totally like frame this dude. Like if it does come off as murder, it's going to be him that gets blamed. Yeah. That's like what they're trying to set up here. Yeah. So, um, they discover that the couple was broke. Um, Sydney and her husband were broke. Um, but, um, there was a large life insurance policy taken out on Sydney. And mm -hmm. so whenever she got murdered, uh, or killed herself, um, as they ruled at that point, um, Andrew would inherit $50,000, you know, $50,000 from mm -hmm. the life insurance policy. Um, but, um, if they had divorced, he would have received nothing because they signed a prenup. So, yeah. So it looks pretty bad for bro here because it looks yeah. totally like motive. Yeah. Again, like nine times out of 10 IRL, that's just what happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be fair, this, there's numerous law and order. I think maybe not SVU, but law and order episodes that, that are exactly something like this. Eventually. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like, like yeah. basic, this is like a basic police procedural outline is that the husband did it yeah to 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 get a life insurance policy or the wife did it to get a life insurance policy this is the plot of double indemnity the the og noir film like the the biggest yep. noir film of that time yeah uh yeah life insurance policies are the easiest crime story uh way of justifying a murder it's very yeah a little bit Best of money motive. a little bit of money that's all it takes so this is where things start to get complicated and interesting. So um, they find out is, yeah, uh, so the, the husband, the wife, they, they Sydney and Andrew, um, they, they met, they didn't meet on a vacation in the Caribbean. They met at like rehab, like Narcs, Narcs Anonymous, like for painkiller addictions and stuff like that. So they have, they both had drug problems and they also knew that the, the reason they ended up fighting and then eventually getting into a divorce and all that is because Sydney had revealed to Andrew that her and two of her friends, hmm, I wonder which friends, <laughs> uh, raped a male stripper at a bachelorette party. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's that's grounds for a divorce. I'd say so. I'd say if, yeah. if that was yeah. told to me, I'd be like, yeah, we're we're not doing that. I can't really see a uh, couples therapy getting us through this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they go and they talk to the the uh, the male stripper. Um, his name his name's Peter. Um, he denies that he like because because this is also the guy who would clearly have a pretty strong motivation for killing her too. Like yep, obviously so yeah, approaching him as a suspect. But it's also an o he also has an open case, or it's still an open case against his assaulters. But like, uh, no one was taking him seriously. No one took him seriously. Yeah, yep. it's uh, it's bad. Yeah. So you know, even though the they officially rule Sydney's death accidental, um, they you know continue the 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 you know Benson and Sabler decide to continue investigating this case they've bumped into so they're going to they're going to work on the case of this this uh male stripper Peter um and kind of get get what's going on and it it it's you know it's kind of an interesting thing that happens because it's it's it gets into not just that oh there's a prejudice against male victims of rape but also against sex workers overall 
like he's just a terrible victim. You know what I mean? It just is not yeah. a good victim to win a jury over because he doesn't feel sympathetic. He seems like he's asking for it. Three yeah. attractive women fucked you, bro. That's I think uh, yeah, makes he, a comment like that's your that's my fantasy, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's like this is this is a person who just so does not fit the like, you know, especially the, the you know, the main picture of masculinity, uh, especially I mean, to this day, but especially at the time. Um mm-hmm. It would wait, wait until, of course, uh, you know, films like Magic Mike normalized it. And then we were right. all with male strippers. Yeah. <laughs> Channing Tatum. So brave. Yeah. Then we became okay with it. Trendsetter. <laughs> um, he was um, the male stripper was then questioned by the detectives and he was asked to give a give an account of what happened that night. And um, Elliot very much throughout this case is kind of like doesn't believe that the man could have been raped. And he kind of believes that he's, he's doing this for, for attention. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of questioning him and saying, you know, were you drugged or were you um, did they have a weapon against you or whatever? And he kind of recounts the evening and describes that. Um, one of them had a letter opener that they were threatening him with, and they handcuffed him to a bed at one point. Um, and that's our Diane Neal that does that actually. Um, and Pam Adler, um, she is said to have, um, told him, well, he threatened to call the cops on them. He was like, I'm going to call the cops on you guys. And she goes, um, what you know about the law won't fit in the palm of my hand. Mm-hmm. Which becomes important later. Yes. Um, and so that's how he identifies um, one of his rapists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is able um, to pick her out of a lineup. Yeah. It's a, a weird figure of speech that she uses both to the cops and, you know, apparently in the situation um when the when the abuse happened which you know uh, uh, a girl boss has to stay on brand that's right <laughs> you know that's true because you know that line if it was in a different like story would have been like one of those oh she got her their asses kind of lines you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> in another in another story this would have been like the uh the West Wing moment of this mm-hmm. big soliloquy, yeah, and that would be like the yeah. the the end point that really shoves it into the face of the of whomever the soliloquy is targeted against. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's what incriminates her. I, the, the like, uh, <laughs> um, no, just the uh, the like, you know, everything good, everything that happens is good you know, from the girl boss perspective is like, yeah. So the assault was just like a fun night out with the girls. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's framed. That's, that's how they do start framing it as they start dragging, you know, this starts getting dragged into court. Um, and so, yeah, what, what ends up going on is, so they eventually decide to try them for this rape and it, it gets into court much. To, um, it should be noted. Stabler is really adamant that they should not do it either. That the prosecution yeah. should not file charges against, uh, yes. against them. Stabler does not look good in this episode. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. um, He's, yeah. No. And even Finn had said, made some sort of comment. 
Which oh, that was like, me. yeah, basically every, saying that. Um, yeah, that this would be his fantasy to get fucked by three women. Oh at yeah, he said comment, three yeah. women at the same time. Most guys call that lucky. <laughs> yeah. So every you know who, who comes every... out of this episode looking really, really good is Cabot and Benson. They both come off looking yeah, and significantly better people. I would say the male, the only male that comes off looking good is Wong. Um, yeah, I, I think Wong looks pretty, and of course he does because he's the psychologist, right? Was he gets this like uh, I don't know if BD Wong was was out at this point, and I don't know if the character was an out gay man yet. But right, it, oh, I don't it, think he was yet. No, I don't think. Yeah, so. I don't know. Well, like I, I like. I don't know. Like everything he said, like just reading that back into the character feels like. Mm-hmm the observation an observation made from the perspective of a gay man like that really mm-hmm. does feel like where that it's like right it, you, because it's it is a completely different lens on masculinity and he's still like yeah it's just yeah. wild how some of that kind of like feeds back in or i'm you know at least reading future was. knowledge back into the uh the old show um yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. I actually think it. I think it works. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they they go ahead and take this. Yeah, take this all to court. And um, this is also where it gets into some interesting law stuff that I didn't have a time to poke into. But I believe this. If I poked around at some headlines and stuff from this time, I, I would be curious to see if this was currently an issue of like trying to renegotiate the. Um, the definition of like federal definition of rape at the time, because what I know is they're arguing about a case in the eighties that is now the defining thing, uh, for defining rape, um, which was, uh, the people versus Liberta, which, uh, like it was a case where, um, a guy tried to get away with rape because he raped his wife and technically in the law, um, that was still acceptable by the eighties, which fun fact that was still acceptable by the eighties, um, but yeah, so, cool. you know, it was a case like that, that eventually that's the one that got, got rid of the gendered language in the, the definition of rape legally. Um, and the defense attorney is like trying to renegotiate that, but for a feminist reason quotes around that where she's like, well, no, but we still need to have rape be identified as a unique act of violence against women specifically rather than you know an act any act of sexual violence which you know because of you know uh, appealing to the basic mechanics of sex right that supposedly a a man you know needs an erection to have sexual intercourse um which you know wong destroys that mentality pretty quick when he talks about this in like a side conversation but like you know that's not true and that's the same kind of fucking accusation they used against women all the time because you know our bodies and our minds don't always lined up and our, our bodies can be sexually aroused while our minds do not want us to be doing something. And it is, it is possible to not consent and still have sexual arousal that, 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 that can happen. Um, it, it frequently happens <laughs> actually. Um, I do so. have to wonder if this episode is specifically like the way that Wong, which he's really well written in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. The way that Wong elaborates on that argument I'm not to get a credit law order for for uh, 
giving more of a uh, of a nuance on how sexual violence works. But it probably was one of the things that helped steer certain mm-hmm. socio-political language in terms of getting into the cultural milieu that sexual violence is is a broad category. It is not specifically one thing. It is a bunch of different violent acts directed against people with the the intent of power of of mm-hmm. that play on power i think that that probably played a role in it yeah now that being said is rape predominantly a thing done by men to women yes oh yeah yeah like <laughs> that is the majority um but i don't think the law needs to have the gendered language for it to still be it, it you know what i mean like still be still be applied in those situations you know like in it, fact uh I remember that there was a, uh, it is in other countries, um, they do have that, that language and it allows for other kinds of, of, of sexual assault to slip under the radar because of it. And even of other gendered forms of violence, like, because if the more that you make the law specific, the more that it allows for the legalese around it to be argued against in court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, which is, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's making an end run around the charge by saying like, well, they're women and they can't physically penetrate a person, so therefore it was a consensual sex act. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, and it, you, you could think of a thousand ways that that causes problems, like, yeah, if it was male on female, it's like, oh, as long as there's no penetration involved, suddenly it's fine, suddenly it's no longer, you know, I, I, right. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's all right and it's all like and it is coming from this like really cynical i know more about the law than you can you know uh i already f- fucked up the the girl boss line and then uh, you can I'm fit in worthy. the palm of your hand right yes. <laughs> or the <laughs> or that uh, yeah. so the line it's too so powerful she, for us it's too yeah powerful. <laughs> it's too powerful i'm like yeah i'm an uh unworthy subhuman male uh, <laughs> uh oh man so this this trial gets even so the judge does not want to is is not going to try, call this unconstitutional so that does not work um because it's that's ridiculous uh trying to change the law in this case um and so they they go and they begin you know they keep going on in the trial and what uh Ab- pam adler does who is the one of the friends that's a defense attorney is going to be allowed to cross-examine Smith, which is yes. disgusting. Like, Love. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Because and, it, and it's all this like, him. yeah, she's you know she's the accused. She has the right to like represent herself, and it's just like clearly like just like using the law to further victimize her victim. Like it, it's mm. yeah, it is evil. <laughs> Yeah, of course, it is the classic law and order type of evil where, uh, as we know, the most evil thing you could be is a defense attorney. A defense yeah. attorney. <laughs> so I do no. like that. Oh, yeah, no. lower than no, the oh, devil himself. Ooh, a, a detail of the episode. Uh, Cabot has a history with Adler. Uh, oh, like yeah. they have I, I forget the exact incident but there's like there's some professional beef and i just love that the stakes are that like cabot can send somebody who slighted her to fucking jail <laughs> jesus christ 
<laughs> like, the, like, cause it, you don't know, you wish cr- that sometimes? Right. Are there, it, there are many points in your life where you're like, man, I, if I could send you to fucking jail, I would. That would yeah. rock. Yeah. You know, so it's, so that's that's like an added uh, added thing. So uh, right, so it gets to cross examine her her victim. Uh, oh yeah, then then we get to the uh, the the revelations about uh, autoerotic asphyxiation and uh, one of our girl bosses uh, propensity for such acts. Mm-hmm. We we also get Smith blowing it because he filed a civil lawsuit against uh Sydney, the victim of the murder. Um and, oh, right. and that compromises it because it suddenly looks like he's doing all this for the money, which like <laughs> yeah. he is the worst victim. Like just on a like lawyer standpoint, this is not Yeah. Best. It's clear like clearly uh, a wronged guy doing whatever he can to get whatever tiny bit kind of, of justice is. But like every move just reads as like <laughs> It reads like, really bad. Yeah, it's just like, no, if there was money, I was going to give it to the animal shelter I work for. Really, all <laughs> I wanted was the name. So they're able to get like an affidavit that's like, yes, that was the arrangement. He wasn't seeking monetary compensation. He just wanted the names of his, you know, of his uh, uh, um, attackers. Yeah. And, uh, it's like totally I mean, understandable, but looks, it's like you're going to get just just thrown like to that yeah, i don't know just any that. any media coverage is gonna make you look like a monster like it's yeah, like yeah. oh a guy a, oh so this guy got laid by three hot chicks and he tried to sue him for and now it. he's complaining about it what a yeah yeah every like joe six can, pack can, is just if like, law and order yeah. wasn't a uh if law and order wasn't an episodic based series you could very well just make this whole case a season of television just out of the sheer media blitz this would have caused yeah that's i mean that's a lot of law and order too like some of the best ones are the ones where the stakes just keep getting ramped up every 10 minutes and it kind of feels like a whole season of television happening in 40 minutes because (laughs) Uh, it just keeps going crazy i mean the next one is even crazier than this yeah yeah. Next we, yeah, we, we gotta get through this insane. so we can talk about the next one. And the next one, also the episode that begins it, leading up to the that one is is wild. So we'll have to talk about that. In a second. You're right. right. <laughs> um, but we're yeah, getting so, we're we're getting to the end here. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close here. So well, the um, they reveal through the through the court proceedings that um that there was this civil lawsuit and Sydney Green decided to comply and just hand over the names of her two friends, Pam Adler and Amelia Chase. Mm-hmm. And, and she told her friends me. that she was going to do it. And so then the detectives were like, holy shit, her friends killed her. Uh, she didn't strangle herself. It was, you know, it was her friends. So they went back to... Uh, the Emmy, and they were like, you know, Warner, can you take a look at this? Could this have been a homicide? And she's like, it definitely could have been. And then they were like, okay, yeah. And they investigate, and they find Amelia Chase's fingerprints at the crime scene. And they're like, not just at the crime scene, because that was the thing. The the defense attorney tries to be like, that doesn't prove anything. They're friends. Of course, her fingerprints were there. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, on the ceiling right next to where the rope was tied. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's right. What oh. has been revealed is that these two uh, killed um, killed Sydney because she was going to rat them out for rape. Yeah. And uh, Amelia Chase, uh, like the girl boss she is, decides to flip on her friend Pam Adler, and um, looking out for number one, <laughs> break a break a deal, and she testifies against her, and it's revealed that you know that she she says everything happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is some scummy moves by the lawyers involved in the cops. And oh all that. man! And, yeah. But when it comes to again, remove all of my views of how this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and just talk about pure. God, I love the FBU episodes that get me cheering, and I'm not just like stuck thinking like so the whole. The writing's good enough that I'm not like, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's you know, like when it's just good writing like that. This one has one of the most satisfying endings that we have we have talked about in a minute because yeah so uh yes girl boss uh, amelia chase is able to, to get a deal so she's gonna get off scot-free for being complicit in a rape oh yeah and, and then it's like it. the and yep during the testimony yeah it's just the uh, uh just go through it it's yeah, it's so incredible she, she lists everything that happened so she's putting her friend away and then um you know uh cabot has her little beef with the uh with with uh Sydney or not um, with Amelia Chase's defense attorney that kind of goes on throughout it. She's like, you know, oh yeah, well, um, I guess you won this one or whatever. And so you're like, ah, oh, you feel defeated because you're like, Amelia Chase is going to get away with this monster. And then what they do is step right out of the court, and immediately the cops show up and go, Amelia Chase, you're under arrest for the murder of Sydney. <laughs> That's right. no Pam Adler. <laughs> Or Pam Adler, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's like, right, yeah, Pam Adler's like, oh, yeah, getting, uh, right. Uh, should be noted, uh, the the defense attorney played by the wonderful CCH Pounder. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, it, uh, yeah, it, the face of this defense being a black woman, the ultimate shield. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like perfect girl boss move. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, yes, and, yes, uh, no, sorry, I got the wrong CCH yeah, in this show, um, as uh uh carolyn uh carolyn um maddox the uh the defense she whenever she shows up she's one of my favorite uh uh defense attorneys in this show mm -hmm. because she's quite honestly um one of the most evil defense attorneys <laughs> but also just so clearly is good at her job <laughs> she is the evil one because she was the one who came up with the whole constitutional angle i believe and it's like yeah yeah yep. it's like <laughs> that's such an evil thing to do <laughs> is like trying to redefine the entire statute of federal concept of rape just to save your client like holy shit but she'll do it. That's she'll so, do it. you know, we'll probably cover, cover this episode. Oh, God. oh, yeah. No, when you got the girl boss money, like, you know, it's it's all worth it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yes, uh, Pam Adler, I, I what I, I guess I gloss over here is that, yeah, Amelia Chase make, gets to make the deal. It was Pam Adler who's on the stand, but the jury gets her off. They don't think she did it. And so that's the defeat you feel. But then the instant Pam Adler steps out of the courtroom, she gets arrested for murder. And it's just like, oh, yes. I don't know. It's like one of the perfect, like, SVU last five minutes saves the day kind of ones that are always my favorite. <laughs> okay. So after the after the credits roll, Amelia Chase goes to prison and either A, breaks out and goes to the desert and does a bunch of peyote and deletes her personality Reprogrammed. and reprograms, reprograms herself. Or... Uh, 
this, you know, this perfect emanation of the girl boss simply vanishes, dissipates into the ether, returns to the acausal realm uh, from which the perfect forms descend to us on the mortal plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next what, avatar. So th- yeah. Uh, so arrive. three. So what? Two years pass. Season two three years. to five. So yep. two years pass. Uh, Amelia Chase ceases to exist in the world of Law and Order SVU. And uh, yeah, we pick uh, we pick back up. We pick back up. So season five, um, episode, episode ten. Five. The text thread five. Open. Episode five, season five, episode, episode five. five. I'll give a quick, quick shout out to episode four, though, because we we did get a chance to watch that beforehand. Oh, because it's the gosh, one that sets so up fun. the situation that's in five. By the way, right. season five, episode four, might need to return to it sometime. One of the <laughs> best episodes of Law and Order SVU, like ever, it just on a pure police procedural level. The exit of Alexandra Cabot, the the DA we have for for you know the the years prior. And it's uh, no. a, it's an emotional episode. Uh, yeah, so it's like okay, last last we left her, she had slain her enemy, Pamela Adler. But the thing is, she picked <laughs> in, a new in... enemy, which was uh, one of the heads of the, <laughs> the cartel. cartel of the Colombian cartel. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> you you can say a lot about. <laughs> you can say a lot of. Oh God. That's like the whole, that's the whole arc of the first like few episodes of that season. Right. Is just Uh like, is Alexandra Cabot versus the fucking Colombian cartel. It rocks. Cause it's it's, a lot uh, that you can say, uh, against, um, Cabot as, as a character, but she (laughs) fucking knows how to pick her enemies, man. Yeah. Oh man. Well, and yeah, that whole episode, I'm not going to walk through that whole episode because, you know, it was only uh, Chimera and I who watched it. Um, but it it is a nonstop stakes raising episode where she is picking these fights that are just terrible ideas. Like three three different main characters, kind of main characters, side side characters, cops, DEA agents, all that die throughout it. It's intense. Car bombs go off. Um, That's right. And Alexandra uh, Cabot gets shot by a cartel member and dies in the hospital supposedly. And then the final scene of the episode is Stabler and Benson get dragged out into the middle of nowhere and the uh, witness protection program bus pushes out Alexandra Cabot, who did survive getting shot and is now under witness protection. And that's her exit to the show. So impeccable (laughs) television. (laughs) Uh, So that happened. (laughs) And that's where we pick up on this episode with, with there's no DA anymore. It's so sad. They have to get a new DA. Well, who do they pick? Well, there's kind of a, there's, well, there's kind of a little scene they have at the beginning where they're losing all their cases and they're like, man, why are we losing all the cases? And they're like, well, we got all these temporary DAs filling in. (laughs) God damn these temp DAs. They don't know. We need a full time professional DA. (laughs) (laughs) So in marches Diane Neal. No longer Um, Amelia Chase. She is now Casey Novak, who is uh, who she'll be for probably most of the time. We'll ever talk about her, you know, on this show. She's Casey Novak. Uh, one of one of my favorite characters, I think, too, of this era. She's she's great. She's yeah. I think. uh, 
I think I kind of like my my introduction to the series was mostly Casey Novak episodes. I think mm-hmm. so, like real uh, prime Benson and Stabler era. The mm-hmm. The good stuff. So yeah, I think yeah. I think Di- uh, yeah, Casey Novak is also my favorite DA mm-hmm. or ADA or whatever. ADA, yeah. I'm a big uh, Barba fan. Oh, is that Barba's the good? He, yeah, he's later, right? I, I like. Yeah, oh, he's uh, later. He's one of the later. Raul he's Esparza. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's right? great. He's, he's good. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. he's. Yeah, I think I think Jackal's right. He's post Stabler, but uh, I do really like him. He's 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 good. Yeah, I think he he's one of the best characters of like the post Stabler era of the show. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like I say that about a lot of these characters. The reality yeah. is, is I like this show, and I'm just always just, trying to yeah, act like it, I don't, even, but I do. <laughs> even when it's less good, it's still good TV. It's, it's like, so good don't TV. get me wrong. Like, I just spent a lot of time shitting on a newer episode. It was still a very fun episode of television to watch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we. Um, um, when Josiah sat down and watched this episode, we immediately paused within the first minute or two because the show opens up and there are some officials from the CDC and they're um, like testing oh, sewer yeah. water for mosquito and West Nile virus, you know, um, Stuff like that, and there's just the most annoying woman there. Okay. This episode rocks because it has a note that I wrote down that Jackal's gonna get really mad at me about. So I'm prepping for this. Um, I love this is what I wrote in my notes. I love how this show communicates how annoying the average New Yorker is. <laughs> oh fuck you! <laughs> fuck I mean, you! I mean, fuck you, Midwestern boy! Fuck you! Hey, we got, we got the Duggars, okay? Don't get me wrong, we got our shit. But this this episode does such a good job of, and it's also why I like it. Like, okay, jokes aside, like it's also the charm of New York is the really abrasive and strange people and greatest city <laughs> in the world, baby. And this episode starts with that. Cause it's just this lady, like <laughs> just the deepest, like New York accent being like, well, we got Nile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's Nile disease in the sewers? <laughs> Cut oh. to uh, dead infant in the fucking sewer. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem here. Uh, yeah. Googling, this one gets heavy oh, right weird. off the bat. Yeah, so they find a this dead one's, newborn yeah. uh, in, in the sewer. Yeah, this is a gnarly one. Um, yeah. But also, like, just i i i was like getting towards like the conclusion the climax of the show and i texted the group chat like this is tier one operator level svu like which Uh i mean even though like the episode before it is like an all-time high point for the series like this is still like like top i think it's in the same class as the other one i agree um just the, as far as yeah uh the, the fact that like we're gonna get into it but like the fact that like they follow up the episode where they're fighting the cartel with it just still like now this should be a normal episode in theory and yet it's like they find a new yeah. a newborn dead in the sewer and it leads to them through a insane plot twist yeah leading to them discovering the uh dna for a serial rapist that never got caught like a decade a, prior a serial like, a serial pedophile a seri- specifically yes, yes. <laughs> holy uh, shit <laughs> like so it's it's a different 
like it's a different scale of escalations but like the twists and like because it is it is just another catch the pet of oh it's an it's another pedophile episode it's a catch the pedophile episode um, yeah but it's it's casey novak's first pedophile so we got to make it an extra fucked up one yes yes uh which also i think helps with the writing of casey too because she's like you know it, it's like oh are you really sure you want this job like this is the shit you're gonna have to deal with you know it like really works on a writing level anyway so but but pulling us all the way back yes they find the newborn and they do a lot of detective work and they discover the mer- the uh the mother was probably someone in the apartment complex nearby because i mean how, how do you get a freshly born newborn that quickly to this place like it has to have been somewhere nearby they do their investigative work they find um you know they they find the mother uh who before we mentioned the keep getting into the dark stuff i'm going to lighten it again because um the guy the landlord is another of why i love the like (laughs) note i just wrote another example of just this like massive guy and like it cuts to him immediately he's just this massive italian guy and he's just like yeah we got a tendon who's about to pop this is is why uh i really like i really love sam raimi's uh spider-man like just quick side as well is it's like movie primarily about like strange and annoying new yorkers Oh my god! <laughs> this is what uh what the the MCU movies you don't emphasize the amount of uh, just weird people that live in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so they do. They enter her uh, apartment and find that uh the mother has been murdered as well, or might have died in childbirth, but she she was murdered. We find that out pretty quick. Um, and yeah, so then... so th- yeah, good. Then they want to figure out who the father of the child is. And um, they do some detective work and they find out that it is a, a, a doctor in the area. And they go to interview this doctor and this doctor is like, um, no, you know, it, it couldn't have been me. Um, and I'll take a DNA test to prove it. It's it wasn't me. And so they're like, oh, damn, you know, this this usually whenever they say they'll agree to a paternity test, then then they're innocent. So they're like, OK, we'll do the test. And they do the test and it um, does not match the uh, newborn, the newborn. But it does match a cold case from the from, <laughs> I think, 1998 it was. Um, and for a, uh, semen sample that was collected from a six-year-old child. Yeah. It was like, basically they ran this test and suddenly a bunch of rape kits came up. And so it's like, okay, so this isn't the guy we were looking for, for that case, but okay, we're reopening some other cases now. (laughs) Looks like he did some worse shit. Uh, yeah we, we also just so... skipped over because this episode is one of the ones that just there's a thousand things shoved into it there's also the parent not parents the, the the couple that can't have a child that are going to adopt that we're going to adopt the uh the dead mother's yeah the, the, the dead baby um the, the dead mother's dead baby mm-hmm. and so then there's there's some complication with that 
Um, I will also say I like this episode a lot, but uh, there's some stuff that doesn't resolve. We'll get to this, but there's some stuff it does not explain. So, yeah. for instance, there's a really interesting, weird detour about the way that the mother was killed was like a 19th century <sighs> Scottish style of bloodletting. And then it like doesn't do anything with that from my remember memory. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't believe they do. That's never elaborated on again. <laughs> Yeah, so like it doesn't look like she died initially, but then they figured oh, out it was, it was like, like this. They, I think it was like leading to another suspect who is who is like a medical professional or some kind of weird historian or some shit. I could be making that up at this point because no, again, I remember that detail, but yeah, you're right. I don't remember how it like really fed into anything. It doesn't fit into the main thing, I think, because I'm looking at the Law and Order fandom like synopsis of it, and it just skips that entire part. <laughs> like it doesn't even mention it um, right I think the whole thing was just to like oh here's a way that she died that it could have been ruled an accident but we can tell from this one piece of physical evidence that a couple people could have done this to her. I think they were trying to like blame the adoptive perspective adoptive couple as like having some special no, no that's because he was a chemist and they were trying to get him for having access to the chemical that might have killed her or some shit so yeah it's just a whole bunch of stuff that goes into like how did this lady die to where it was like ambiguous enough that it touches whether it was on an accident or intentional and just makes it harder but uh this this episode yeah, no it's just like right so it's like uh, there's no okay i get it no i i think i remember it's the uh oh my god sorry i'm like skipping ahead in the episode just through the insane twists uh because okay so the guy who gets the blood drawn and is get blamed for the pedophile he it turns out that wasn't his blood because oh he, so he was the father right he right. was he was the father of the child he but he thought he had beaten the paternity test and he killed the mother so he was a murderer okay he just it does, wasn't it, a pedophile right. it does all time he was an adulterer okay. and a murderer but he wasn't a pedophile which is why svu doesn't but he died following accused of being a pedophile <laughs> wild okay yeah so let's get to this. this is how this plays out uh, and Jesus. and all, so, all, so, all so throughout the... this journey uh we have casey novak just showing up at every other crime scene just pissing the hell out of the cops <laughs> like they are mad they're not used the to the da showing up and asking questions at the crime scene and they're like go well, away we know how to do our job she's trying to she's trying to girl boss it she's trying to take charge and and show she has a more hands-on management style and just really get to know the team you know like girl boss yeah however she didn't she can't can't face the true girl boss who is olivia benson who is is gonna win you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> She, she thinks she can come in and like start like pushing around a bunch of dumb guys, but no, because we got fucking the the true girl boss, or alpha stuff. girl boss, alpha Olivia girl Benson, boss, Olivia Benson. <laughs> no, like no, she's sig. She would be Sigma girl boss, Olivia Benson. <laughs> yeah, Casey Casey Novak's the alpha, and she's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Olivia's the the Sigma. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna do my best to push us through here. So how this happened? So um, yeah, yeah, because it. I think at this, I think we're just gonna have to give up trying to do this in the order of information that's revealed and just explain how this took place. So what happened was the guy who is the father of the murdered uh, baby and mother, um, you know, he did kill her. And so to dodge, 
the uh, paternity test. He wanted to beat the paternity test. He did the wildest thing in the fucking world. He <laughs> is, because he's a doctor and his wife is a plastic surgeon, surgeon. He got some blood from his, his wife, who's a plastic surgeon's most recent case that involved taking blood and put it into a tube and body horror style slid open his arm and put it where the vein would. So when they did this paternity test, they pierced the tube in there thinking it was his vein and took out this blood. But what he didn't know was the blood he had put in his arm <laughs> was the blood of the honey rapist an uncaught rapist <laughs> pedophile from five plus years prior that was a cold case holy shit <laughs> yeah this show is insane it... <laughs> oh man um and then and then they then they stumble on a an active case like a recent kidnapping that fits the MO of the honey rapist who uh, like lures young girls into changing rooms with like honey candies or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not, awful. yeah. Not gonna, I mean, <laughs> Horrific you know shit. We're, we're having too much fun with this episode. I'm not going to s- explain exactly what he does with the honey and all that. You can just watch the episode, but it's, it's upsetting and we're having good vibes right now. We're good vibes. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, it's awful. Do not need to dwell on the specifics. This is not at all. Yeah. Hey, man, we are going through how well child predator. You, you get it. Get into the details of how it happened. <laughs> um, just, just getting here is like the entire appeal of this episode. Yeah, right. It's it's not as much the the lure details, I think, as much as just the. But like, I don't know. It's just like plot. Uh, yeah, it's kind of I just the the twist, the joke that like a kind of shitty guy, like just he thought he was being so clever, and then it's like now you died an, an accused pedophile because you chose the wrong vial of blood because you're like oh I'm gonna outsmart fucking everybody. I'm gonna outsmart the medical profession and the cops. And then, bam, the only blood you have access to is pedophile blood. Enjoy and hell. He, <laughs> did he shouldn't die. Did he? Oh, so how did... No, somebody... Mur- they don't solve it. Somebody no, shot him in the back someone, of the head. Yeah. They just and, leave it. They just, they're like, well, he got what he deserved. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> we right, have an and, alive girl to rescue. And it's and it's kind of the Law Order SVU thing, too, where it's really focused on, like, departments doing different things. So, like... You know, once it's that that guy gets shot or whatever, it's like, oh, that's homicides now. So it's not yeah. our problem because we're SVU, but there is a kidnapped little girl now. Yep. And so so Lenny, that's Lenny Briscoe. Like, oh. Lenny Briscoe's on his way over. We got to go do our job. <laughs> it's a regular ass murder now. <laughs> yeah. Boring. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Man. So I. I. Um. Man, they even have, I, I've completely forgotten how they have some convoluted way of like tracking the guy down because, oh, it was, it was, um, they figured out that he, so they eventually find who this actual guy is. Oh, cause the wife, okay. So the wife tells him, tells them that, you know, he had used the blood from this plastic surgeon yep, well, yep. He, or she didn't know that that's what he was doing with it, but she was thinking back on the last person that she took blood from. And so then they figure out that's it's this right. guy named Peter Nessler, I believe, according if I'm looking yeah, at this yeah. right. Okay, so right. They used her patient records 
to find him. They go to his apartment, find child porn immediately, and like just a thousand bottles of honey. And it's like, I think this is our guy. Oh yeah, uh, he had like a really <laughs> he had like a whole room full of jars of honey or some shit. Like it he was had a like... villain hideout. This is yeah, he had, he had a villain villain hideout. <laughs> it's his it's the honey rapist in his honey lair like yeah jesus christ (laughs) and they figure out that he's a fisherman they figure out the name of the boat and then they know that this guy has kidnapped somebody recently and then they make they make the immediate connection they're like this guy's gonna go on the boat and try to escape to like international waters or something so they bolt to the fucking pier Where they find the guy on his boat that I believe is named like the the honey or some shit. I don't. Remember. The honeydew. The honeydew. Yeah. That what a fucking. Um, I, yeah. Because uh, he's okay. a, because he is a super. In this episode, he's not the archetype of an actual serial killer. He is a super villain. He is yep. a, a <laughs> yes yes. He and is so, a a a super villain that is honey themed. It's a oh man! Uh, once he once he sees the cops, he sprints. Stabler knocks him off the dock immediately. It oh, just and fucking drowns him. Like yeah. doesn't doesn't actually well, kill him, but gets doesn't actually no. He's, no oh no, he he waterboards the guy. Like he holds <laughs> the guy under. He he does some uh, he does some extra judicial torture on the guy. He does a police brutality. Um, um, Olivia, like, runs, I uh, mean, like. But yeah, I mean, if you're going after, you have this much evidence and it's the guy known as the honey rapist. I think this is one case where we can be like, you know what? Police brutality is justified. <laughs> just drown the fuck. Like, just yeah, what? Is, why even what bother? A, why even bother? Just like drown him, of... let him go, bring the girl home, like tie it off. Like right. This is what a good episode of SVU does. It will make you just completely okay with we invented the worst guy and now we're gonna put him on trial <laughs> yeah that's that's why the show like is i mean is why it's effective propaganda let's all do this little song and dance da, 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 it's yeah. propaganda we all know da, this da, 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 but that's da, da, why it's it's when it's at its best is when i don't notice it's propaganda because i'm so invested in putting the sicko away like the dugger, <laughs> like the dugger episode and like last the two last two episodes they make the worst guy possible and so you're like, like yeah like... fucking kill him let's go right yeah let's <laughs> <laughs> it's like what you say said in the episode before this one it feels like this could have been an entire it this could have been an entire season of television on its own was just unpacking the entirety of what the fuck occurred in this episode but no law and order is ambitious enough to cram all of this shit multiple different storylines some of which do not get addressed again others we're never gonna find out what the fuck happened to some of them but it's all tied together and it feels like it fits yeah well and that escalating to like a fever pitch this is this is the genius of the dick wolf formula he doesn't give a shit about the personal stuff so that's why you can cram all this stuff in because this is Mm -hmm. these are all this this is all the stuff that took place during work hours Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah, yeah. and i think it's and i think it's it's great that you point that out jackal that like yes like it's now much more on vogue that you know this storyline would be an entire season of television because a, our seasons are shorter. You know, you only have to fill out thirteen episodes, and we want more of the personal stuff in our crime dramas now. Like, you know, and, this and is there's, 
yeah there's this, a case I, for both and i like i because i i love the the hyper personal the whatever like like this oh, episode sure. this episode the way the first half of this episode plays out for instance made me think of um referencing another cronenberg film eastern promises where it you know starts out with just yep. trying to solve a little like this this specific rape case and then it you you fumble into this complicated story with the russian mob um great you know, movie the, the, if you haven't seen it go watch it movie. I, Actually, it's very if you're an svu <laughs> fan if you're an svu fan you would like you will love it i promise oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh i think yeah oh for sure yeah uh history of violence eastern promises like some of my favorite cronenbergs yeah actually yeah. which is the middle uh, kind of funny that that's uh the entire unified girl bosses and cronenberg that's i guess are kind oh, yeah. of <laughs> but um yeah, so but but that's a more personal. It's more focused on the personal side of that, you know. Still, Cronenberg's more, you know, interested in that, um, and I appreciate that kind of media a lot. However, I do think there's some magic to the Dick Wolf formula, to the just workplace formula. Um, you know, only focus on the family stuff when it's starting to invade the workplace, but let's just focus on what's happening here, um, because it gives us. I mean, this this is when the show's firing at all cylinders. This episode. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it shows how the formula can work really well. Oh yeah, incredible economy of storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, just in an insane series of twists. But like, yeah, the ride is so fun that like, yeah, you don't care that there's some some hanging threads because I, I think hanging threads is also just a feature of telling a good detective story. Like, mm-hmm. you find out all this, and it, it, it's all about like piecing the information together correctly rather than having everything mm-hmm. kind of tie up. I mean, well, yeah, it is TV. We want it all to tie up neatly. Um, okay, yeah, so Stabler waterboards the rapist. Olivia checks out the boat, and our girl Casey Novak finds finds the kidnapping victim in a cooler on the Yeah, dock. she's shoved in a cooler. Um, so she is the one who saves the day. Yeah, so Casey gets to have that. And then we get our final scene of the episode where Casey Novak is just breaking down in her office. Um. Actually, I think this happens earlier too. This case is really hard on her because it's it's got some pretty upsetting stuff. Again, we're kind of glossing over some of the awful details that the get played out. This, uh, you know, and and so she's just really, really fucked up by it. Um, and so she's devastated and talking to the I don't know what the role would be her higher up, but oh, um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, that's she's I, I forget the character's name. She's an yeah. ADA. Uh, He's the district attorney. So that's there, right. There are lots of ADAs um, under him. Yeah. And there's this like the kind of moving interaction where uh, Branch is the DA. He's like, he's like, I didn't know if you could handle this job, but it's actually because you're breaking down that I know you're going to be good at it because you're like empathetic, you know, which again, when we're talking about the real world with cops, bullshit this is yeah. total bullshit this is not how it plays out at all but with just again it's great fiction because it's great fiction stakes with casey novak you know it sets her up as you know yeah that's why you're doing this is because you want to fight for justice and you want to do this and so it sets up her kind of like motivation yep. throughout the series um yeah so does she kill the girl Do, so is this is this a reckoning with girl bossdom? Do, does she have to set aside the girl boss in mm. order to be the ultimate girl boss? Yeah, there might be something to that, right? Is that that she can't? She has to disown the kind of like cold thing she was trying to do of being like, 
monitoring the cases and like trying yeah. to be like okay doing yeah because a lot of i mean i think kind of what we glossed over is a lot of a lot of the complication comes from casey being too hands-on and too mm-hmm. uh and like kind of like making a lot of unforced errors and fucking up the investigation so it's like mm-hmm. only through this crazy series of reversals and skin of their teeth coincidences that they're able, they're able to put to away the out. real monster um yeah so yeah the character growth of the of this like kind of episode the arc is kind of her realizing that like uh i think she was at white collar crime before this is what it says and yeah. like her approach for that is not going to be able to be the same as with this right is like yeah. that's kind of it again again as as we know when it comes to the real world i, <laughs> I don't know if that's true but you know uh with with here it's it's a good it's a good setup for her as a character i think it's a really yeah, great introduction you know, and it's a well it's a classic workplace narrative too i mean it's the new it's the new assistant manager or whatever coming in and trying to like make their presence known and they just wind up fucking up a bunch of shit that you know mm-hmm. the the, <laughs> the hey it's like we're doing our thing over here and the whole reason this worked out before is they knew when to get out out of our way <laughs> you're not helping yes <sighs> Man, this is a dope show. Like that was this 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 recent binge of you know Law and Order for these yeah. this, the Duggar episode previously, and then this one for me. You know, I I just spent a weekend watching a ton of SVU. I watched double the amount of episodes I needed to watch because I just had a really good time with the show this week. I I really it's like this show. <laughs> some some inside baseball uh, for the listeners. This is what spawned me pitching this show to um, our my uh my three other lovely co-hosts was that i was in the middle of you know finals week as a college student and had to have something to get me through it and law and order was that something once you start those good episodes they pull you it really shows all the critical analysis that we do on the show is because it is a good show if it wasn't a good show if it didn't have these qualities there would be nothing to pitch about this. There would be nothing mm-hmm. to watch. But episodes like this are why, as someone who is cognizant of this, why you keep watching. Because it is genuinely really good television. Yeah, because if it was like a bad propaganda show, I would do a single episode of a podcast where I watch a couple select episodes and talk about it. I would not yeah. do a whole podcast about a show unless there's a part of me that really likes the show and that's, and that's the fundamental tension of this podcast here is that yes, as we said, all the politics stuff and it will come back up consistently with the show. We have a lot of gripes with what this has to say about law enforcement and stuff, but it's really fucking good police procedural writing, like really good. <laughs> yeah. Like this is some of the, if if you took this out of the context of of being you know an episode of network television, this is a just a really good crime story. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd watch a movie that was based off this episode. Oh yeah. Same. Well, I think that's it, folks. I think we've done an episode. Yep. <laughs> a nice a nice breezy one for a change. Wow, that was nice. That was so nice. Not having like to... just talking about the TV show didn't yeah. didn't have like. Uh... I don't know. I mean, it's always fun to like do the extra stuff and like watch a whole other movie or, you know, in, in the case of the previous episode, a multi-part docu series. But even then that was just like 
four extra TV shows. Like mm-hmm. that was just some extra TV I had to watch this week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like the, I love, I like the episodes like that. We're going to keep doing plenty of where we talk about history for like an hour before we get to the SVU episode to kind of show you the context. This SVU episode's coming out in, yep. but with this, it was just good to watch some good, good television, good television. Yeah. Good and TV. celebrate good and folks. celebrate the girl boss herself, Casey Novak, yep. <laughs> Diane Neal, the one, the only. Well, perhaps not the only, but depending on your interpretation of the Novak, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> the, the yeah yeah the the Novak. Um. Oh my God! I think there was a web series that was on Cracked.com that. I think was kind of around the time Diane Neal was wrapping up on law and order where it was like supposed to be about Diane Neal's post law and order career. And she's just like a superhero in real life, but it was just whatever cracked could do on their budget in like 2009 <laughs> or whatever. That's, that's a future. We'll dig that up. With that, that's, I, that's I, I don't, that's one of those things. I don't know if it's even like accessible on the internet anymore. Like it's a very hazy memory. If it exists, and if we're able to find it, it will be a Patreon episode. <laughs> there we go. Once we once we launch that, one of these days we'll launch that. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I have been Josiah. You can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter.com, and uh, you can find me all sorts of other places. I do a podcast called Fruitless. I do a podcast called Mammonberg. I do all sorts of shit. You can find it all. Um, and I was joined today by my lovely co-hosts. I was joined by Chimera. Hi, I've been Chimera. You can find me on Twitter at Calliterous444. Always funny. <laughs> that is always funny. It's never not going to make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Josh. Hey, it's me. It's Josh. Uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram only. Uh, I mostly just post whatever... Uh, weird metal record i'm listening to and on my stories um so you could follow me there uh yeah hey i don't know if you need some video edited like maybe i'll be doing that (laughs) on a money-making basis so uh hey you know just throwing that out there uh and jackal hello hello i have been jackal you have been you it has been lovely having you here with us and you can't find me anywhere on the internet i mean hey if you want to find me on twitter i'm jackal jester on there but hey dude that website ain't gonna be fucking here by the end of the year so i don't know what you're wasting your time for that's right well i don't even and and who even fucking knows because we we do these episodes like to record them two months in advance it's like it I might not exist happen. but the time that you listen yeah, to this was, episode it, it very well may not exist it, it soldiers it on it, but like yeah it's sta- like as of the last recording the last couple episodes like it was very much an open question if it would exist by the time we recorded this episode and somehow it's still with us well yeah it, all they had between the first episode of us recording this and now all he's done is find a way to uh uh restore the account of somebody who posted child porn so thanks uh <laughs> cool website they're uh, floating the idea of making it a paid service oh, oh that's yeah funny. that's the newest thing. actually we'll actually that. doing what all of that like uh scare spam that went around facebook back in the day would do like mark zuckerberg's thinking about charging for facebook 
paste this to say no mark i will not pay for oh, facebook <laughs> except now you've got people they're like yes yes please yes, i will genius gambit them. elon make us pay <laughs> who knows maybe that's happened by now i've said that that will be i don't use twitter as much anymore but it, that will be the thing for me yeah so, that'll be the thing for me too it is, it's I, not, no the whole thing is like you're you're gonna like we love to say this website is free what happens when you make it not free i mean I paid for that shit. No, I mean you're not you're not you're not fucking uh something awful. You're not mm-hmm. you're not the F plus's ball pit. Ball dot pit. So I we need to next episode get in the habit of not just saying Twitter ads because I need to probably stop saying it anyway because of that. <laughs> and saying you can find me on other shows, because I think that's what this end thing's more about, is reminding everybody that we have other things that we do for you know, instance, good, point. good point is on mammonberg with me what if we like I built am. our own website and did posts on there and made that That's the cool. center of the community of this the good, podcast? The good apples we should just launch our own social media for social the good media apples. website <laughs> you know i am sure that we could if if you find there's a there's a a i'm sure we could cleaner out in silicon valley that we could just con into making a social media website for us <laughs> be amazing i mean i'm sure we could homebrew like an old school discussion forum if we wanted to deal with that shit oh yeah fun. I, I know for a fact that you can just make like uh i i was doing uh i was listening to a podcast by uh um uh on the history of 8chan it is extremely easy just to make like a discussion website it, the infrastructure for that at this point is yeah, very low so the it is problem kind of... is moderation we could uh, yeah. probably just do a Discord server, though. Let's be real. Yeah. That's not that hard. Um, anyway. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. for start. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. This is all getting cut out. We, this is all getting cut out. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, and as we like to say, dun dun. Dun dun. <laughs> dun, dun. Um, I do kind of want to do like a metal guitar chuck done done that's you know what? maybe i just want to maybe i'll just record it and post it someday i'm never going to talk about it again because i'll just be like wouldn't it be cool if i do that and then i'll